This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Church, how's everyone doing today? Some of you are doing great. Others are still kind of asleep. Can you poke the person next to you between the third and fourth rib and say good morning? How's it going today? So good to be able to be together. Excited for another opportunity to worship together. I don't know about you, but every time we get to affirm the faith that we have through singing and and declare that God is our hope, that he is our peace, something happens inside of us as we join our voices, as we pursue him together, and, uh, and then something happens when we open the word together and we turn to him to hear and, and, and listen his, for his voice to our lives. And I love that God, when he speaks to us, he doesn't just give us good concepts and theories. As his voice resonates in our hearts, as we open the word and we listen for his voice, it does something inside of us. It molds us and it shapes our lives. Amen. So today I'm excited about the fact that we get to lean into God's word again and we get to continue on this journey of Redwood faith. Redwood faith is central to who we are as a church family. It's been on the heart of our lead pastor, Pastor Nate, for many, many years. And it really is about that declaration that we need to be connected to God and we need to be connected to each other. Amen. So I don't know if you've been able to uh, have the experience of Sunday complemented by the Connect Group experience during the week, the Redwood Faith Connect Group experience. But both of those really help to strengthen a lot of what we are talking about today. Today, as we uh, head into the Word, we're going to build on what we've covered in the past couple weeks. And if you've missed any of the weeks, I want to encourage you to go back. You can look at the uh, messages online and catch that, catch up. Uh, But today we're talking about the fact that it's good to be connected, but it's good to remain connected to Christ as our source. How many know that God is our source of peace, of hope, of love, of forgiveness, of purpose, right? And so it's not a, yeah, that is a good moment to clap. Thank you for that. Let's do it all together. One, two, three. Here we go. I might need some help. I miss my cues sometimes, so I appreciate the help from you. Um, it's not enough to just come and and God's not like a gas station where you come and fuel up and then you just, you know, you try to stretch it out until your, your uh, fuel light goes on and you're like, okay, I'm going to do the math. How much longer can I drive without having to carry uh, a thing on the side of the road, you know, and, and the walk of shame of not having fueled up in your car, right? God doesn't function that way. It's not that we, we come up and fill up every five days or every four days. It's, it's, it's more of an ongoing connection and relationship with him. And today, there's a, you know, there's, there's a verse in, a couple of verses actually, in John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, that really capture this. And they really inspire what we're going to be discussing and talking about today. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Now Jesus has, uh, John the Apostle has recorded here, he repeats a couple words a lot. He says remain, everyone say remain with me. Remain, or some of the other uh, versions of the Bible, renditions say abide, abide. Living uh, is, is a constant, continual relationship. It's not just visit me, it's live connected to me. Then he talks about another thing. He talks about fruit. Everyone say fruit with me. And I'll give you a little visual cue. Everyone say fruit. This is in case I get hungry during the uh, message. No, it's, we'll talk about that in a minute. The fruit that it refers to here is the results of being connected to Christ. It's going to show up in our lives in so many different ways. It's going to show up in our decisions. It's going to show up in our values. It's going to show up in our voices. It's going to show up in our relationships. It's going to show up in the purpose that we live. It's going to show up in our reactions. That's probably one of the best ways to kind of take the pulse of how we're doing is how you react, how I react to the tensions and the uh, triggering moments that we experience. And this has been quite the year when it comes to that, right? What kind of fruit is being grown in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 say that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That's the effect of the Holy Spirit in my life, in my heart, in my words, in my relationships, in your life as well. As we are connected to him, he cultivates these things in me. So I can't opt out and I'll say, well, I'll take, uh, I'll take one. Uh, we're not like ordering ice cream here, right? So it's not like I'll take some love and then some kindness. I'm going to opt out of patience. I'm not a big fan of patience, right? Could you do, could you do that quickly, please, right? It's all of these are, are, are part of what he produces in all of us. He shapes and molds our person and our, our character so that we begin to reflect Christ more and more. Now, the key to being able to have this fruit in our life, to be able to grow and be known as people that love, people that are kind, people that have self-control, people that, that, that have patience, people that also have joy and peace in our lives. The key to being able to have this as a, as, as a description of who we are is to be connected to him, connect to Christ, keep connected to him. That's the first thing that we really can learn from this text, keep connected. And one of the things that I wanna, I wanna emphasize is you can't connect to Christ without connecting to his family. Because Christ will always lead you to a connection with others. That's the principle behind our whole Redwood Faith series. Christ does not do individual tutoring. He does cohort training, right? When he called the disciples to himself, all of a sudden they responded individually. All of a sudden they found that they were in the company of some other people. A lot of them that they would have not chosen to be in the same class. Right? They're like, what? You called him? Can I... Can I do summer school instead of signing up now? You know, or can you, uh, you know, can, can, you get, can you ask him to wait a little longer? No, we don't get to choose who we're on the journey with. When we call, we are called to Christ, he makes us part of a community, makes us part of a family. 
Inevitably, when we connect to him, he will connect us to others. In the same chapter of uh, the vine and the branches, later on, a little further down, it says in verse 12 and 13, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So the, the way that we are meant to relate and connect to each other is modeled by Jesus himself. Jesus has forgiven me. He has been patient with me. He has put up with me. He has endured my fussing and my tantrums, and he has endured my immaturity, and he has waited, and he has been steady in his love towards me. That is the model of how I get to love the people that are on the journey with me as well. I don't love them based on how much they've earned, how much merit they've earned for my love, for my affection, for my patience. I can't say, you really don't deserve my patience anymore, you know, and so I, you know, we, we sometimes can get uh, selective and we can kind of have a client mentality when we're, when we're looking at the people around us and we can get, you know, we're pretentious and we're like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be kind to you. And so, no, the model that we have as we're connected to Christ, he will connect us with others and we will reflect the same love and the same fruit that is in him. It says in, in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must lo also love their fellow believers. Now, I've read this text before, and I'm, you know that word hate, that's just kind of a strong word. I'm like, Lord, could you just soften that up a little bit? So I've read different versions, and it talks about you know, how it's loving less than. And that just felt a little more, I could digest that a little bit better than the word hate. Uh, but the reality is, word hate is probably the most appropriate for the day and age that we're living and experiencing right now. We're living in a, in a context that is more polarizing than ever. We're living in a setting where we get uh, uh, provoked and triggered, and, and there are real emotions, and there is real pain, and there's a legitimate pain that's going on, and there are loud opinions everywhere. But I cannot select to just love God and hate fellow believers or hate other people that are part of his family. I can't do that. I cannot opt out of loving others. And many times, loving others involves laying down my own life, laying down my own rights and opinions in order to love them, to be patient with them, to express the mercy, the grace that God has given me. How many know that we need grace from God and we need grace for each other? How many say amen to that, right? I need your grace in my life, and I need to also extend that grace to others. So today, as we are connected to Christ, he will lead us in a healthy, thriving, growing connection with each other. I don't know if it's the uh, distance learning that we've had to uh, uh, do at, at home with my two kids, 16-year-old Santiago and 13-year-old Zoe, uh, but I took on this little project. I bought a plant. I don't even know what it's called. I've got the tag somewhere. I do much better with plastic plants than I do with uh, live ones, right? And, uh, and, and so I, I bought this thinking about today's message, and, uh, 
and, and, and I actually clipped one of the branches off from this tree. It was right here. It should go right there, right? But look at the contrast between this twig and the rest of the branches that are there. And so what I did is I, I, I looked at this, uh, you know, the effect of a severed branch. What happens to a branch when it is disconnected from the source, from the nutrients, from the rest of this plant, from the rest of this bush, right? And so I actually did a little bit of a, a, a kind of like a homeschool project, if you will, and I did a little logging of day-to-day -day tracking how, how that branch fared, you know? And that's the first day you could tell no difference between the uh, leaves and the vitality in that branch. And it feels okay at first when you get disconnected because you're like, look, I didn't die. I skipped church on a Sunday and I'm still alive. I got a pulse. Maybe it isn't that important that I am part of worship on Sundays, right? And then it's subtle, but day by day, what happens is this branch gets more and more feeble and it just, I've got to be careful to not shake it too hard or the leaves are just going to completely fall off. There is no more life in this branch. And it started with the simple action of disconnecting, of being severed from the source. There's so many things that can sever our connection to Christ. There's so many things that, that can lead us. Sometimes it's, it's, it's uh, like an event. It's frustration. It's disappointment. And God didn't do things the way I had hoped or the way I expected. Or he didn't answer a prayer. Or I'm upset with how God has been dealing with my life. And there's a, like a very conscious moment and event of severing and disconnecting from him. And then there's, I think more so for the majority of the time, it's just kind of a subtle thing where we don't realize, but we just kind of drift. And it might be distractions. It might be that, you know, our, our, our lives just get so filled up with so many different things that we all of a sudden realize that Christ is just an accessory and not the center. And we lose sight of the fact that we need to live a current relationship with him, fully connected, where we are receiving his life daily. We're receiving his spirit, his inspiration, his hope, his voice, his love in us, his peace, his perspective as we are connected to him. So I can't, this branch can't say, well, I, I only connect on Sundays, right? This branch, you can't do that. You, if you severed, you can be grafted in real quick. And thank God that, you know, he can supernaturally bring life back to this branch, amen? Or we just have to give up and end the sermon now and go home, right? And cry in a corner or something. But God can reconnect us and resurrection power can come into our relationship with him as well. But there's so many things that can, that can, you know, lead us to drifting, getting distracted, getting frustrated. What about connection with others? What about the, uh, our, our, you know, is there a fence that's gotten in the way? A fence ends up cutting off our relationship with people that God has meant to be in our journey with us. Maybe it's the inability to solve conflict. Maybe we're at a stalemate. We're like, you know what? Blocked. <laughs> You're done. I don't want you in my life anymore. 
Maybe our digital habits have carried over into our analog, real-life, face-to-face habits. And maybe it's a lack of forgiveness. Maybe it is, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're just seasonal in, in the way that we relate to each other. Maybe it's, you know, we, we've just given up on someone. Maybe we don't even remember why that relationship got severed, but we just stopped investing into it. Connection needs to be intentional, and it happens when we prioritize. It happens when we make it a goal. We make an effort to stay connected. So when it comes to being connected to Christ, you're, I'm preaching to the choir today. Even you that are at home, you're watching this moment, and you're, you're engaging, you're connecting to Christ. This is such a meaningful way to connect to him, is pursuing him in a larger gathering. We can connect through the week in our connect groups. We can connect. We can come to seek first, the first ones, and worship and pray. We can read scripture or like I'm doing right now, I'm doing the, uh, the Bible in One Year app on my phone, and I, and I listen to Nikki Gumbel and, uh, and whoever the other guy is that reads the scripture in British, and it's just, it's that accent just lands different, right? When you're like, this, is, this really sounds like scripture because it's in British, and so, <laughs> but I made scripture a big part of my daily walk because I want to be connected to Christ's voice. And I prioritize talking to God and listening to him and in finding ways to make sure that my relationship is current with him. Amen. I got to find ways to make sure that my relationships are healthy, thriving, growing with the people around me as well. And I need to realize that God has placed those people in my journey so that they can enrich me, but so that I can also bless and enrich them. How many say amen to that? I, I trust that the Holy Spirit is just bringing people to your mind even right now. That you are, you're saying, you know what? Ooh, that person. I, you know what? I realize God made that connection. And I need to cultivate that connection with better intentionality. I need to be more proactive. I need to not only pray for them, text them. Let them know that I'm praying for them. I need to encourage them. I need to build them up. I need to not just say, well... Good luck, Godspeed. Hope to see you in heaven someday, right? I need to be involved in in cheering them on. That's a big part of being the church. Amen? We can't be connected with Christ without him connecting to us, to others. Second thing I want to mention that we draw from this this, uh, portion here from Christ is that there's a process that God works in our lives. So respect that process. Turn to the person next to you and say, respect the process, right? You're like, I don't even know what I'm telling you to respect yet, but I'm just, you know, someone told me to say it, so I'm doing it. I think I've been spoiled by the fact that I can go to the grocery store and I can just pick up a ripe, uh, a ripe fruit, you know, and I can even get fruit. I can get kiwis from Chile. I can get grapes from, you know, from Costa Rica. I can get apples from down south, you know, whatever. Apples from Minnesota are pretty good, though, too. So... I think we lose sight of the fact that there is a whole process behind this landing at the grocery store. Because a seed was planted and it grew and it sprouted up, it grew some roots, broke the ground, began to feed off the rain and the sunlight. It grew into a tree then had flowers, and then those flowers matured and became fruit. 
that was green at first, but then it matured to the place where it was ripe, and then it got picked, and it brought, got brought to our grocery store. We are so used to starting at the finish line that we forget that there is a process. We forget that God is a God of process. We forget that he is not in a rush. He is not in a hurry because he is interested not only in our destination, he's interested in maturing us so that we fit into our destination. Amen? I think of the people of Israel when he gave them the promised land. He said, I'm not going to give it to you all at once. I want you to grow into the promised land. Because if you inherit it all at once, it's going to be too big for you and it's going to be overrun by wild beasts. I want you to conquer it a step at a time, a stage at a time, a season at a time. And I think we get so hurt in, in, in such a rush, in such a hurry that we want to, we want to, you know, start at the finish line, hold out our hand and get the medal or the, or the trophy or whatever it is, right? We feel like we are ready. And I, you know, Pastor Dwight Daniels was here in the first service. And uh, I, I met with him recently, and he was my boss, my pastor for eight years when I, we were here our first round here at Emmanuel. And I actually apologized to him, and I said, thank you so much for putting up with me. I look back, and I'm kind of embarrassed. You know, I was kind of, there was so many areas in my life where I was still maturing, and I was still growing. He's like, no, you've always been great. And I said, you're too kind. You're being too nice. Let's be real, Right. There's things that I thought I was I'd already arrived, and God was still shaping and molding me. How many know that we always continue to learn, we always continue to grow? The day we stop growing, the day we stop maturing is the day that we've started dying. And so there's always more for us to develop. There's always more for us to grow. And we can't just assume that because I did a course or got a degree that I am entitled to whatever the prize is. God might have a scenic route that he wants to take us on. And his timing doesn't always match mine. And he doesn't always pick the direction that I would go. But his process is always best for me. And if I trust him, and if I follow him, I will make it to my destination. And I will fit into, it'll be, it won't be too big for me. I will be able to actually embrace whatever the destiny he has for me is. Love what it says in Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. That's amazing, isn't it? God, he, he, like, he, doesn't, he doesn't just rush. He's actually interested in every detail of our lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. The Lord directs our steps. God is a God of steps. He's a God of a day at a time, Jesus said. Just live one day at a time. Don't carry tomorrow's worries. I've given you grace for today. And he will direct our steps. He will lead us in the seasons. He will lead us in the chapters. He will lead us in the moments. I think too many times we get in a rush or we have expectations that don't follow God's process. And we can end up giving up too quickly because life didn't turn out the way we expected it to. Or God didn't answer the prayer the, the way I hoped he had. Or marriage isn't as 
Great as everyone said it would be. I remember the, you know, when my son was born, Ali and I went to get some coaching on conflict resolution. Because we were, I mean, we were adults and we knew how to talk and we knew how to make decisions, but we just ran into some things that we just couldn't sort out and we got some help, right? And, uh, and we learned some great techniques and, 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 and ways to approach this. We learned this amazing thing called take turns when you talk. Instead of like out shouting each other, uh, you know, it's, it's actually, it's, you should try it. It's amazing, right? <laughs> Take turns when you talk. Then there's this other thing that they taught us, which is amazing. It's like, it's incredible. It's magical. It's called active listening, which means I don't just watch your mouth move while I'm thinking and how I'm going to rebut or rebuttal or refute what you're saying, right? I'm not thinking about my, I'm actually leaning into what you're saying, and I could actually paraphrase it and say part of that back to you and see if I really caught what you were saying. And then we came to this other thing where it was like, okay, uh, validate the fact that your spouse is having strong emotions, even if you don't agree with them or even think they're kind of ridiculous or dumb. You still validate them, right? That, that point, that was a little strange to me, and I was like, okay, we'll try it. We'll see if it works. It's magical. It's incredible. And then there's this other step that we had to do, which was uh, brainstorming on, on a win-win solution, right? It wasn't whoever yelled loudest got their way. We would come up with a win-win solution. It's got to work for you. It's got to work for me. We'll try it for a month. We'll debrief, and then we'll either move on to the next thing, or we'll stick to this plan. We're driving home, and we're like, okay, let's try this out. We're like, let's just skip ahead. Let's go to the brainstorming port. And uh, you know what happened? We got another fight. <laughs> I'll just say, if you're married and you're not fighting, then you need to rekindle some of that passion, right? Because <laughs> something great about being able to have an argument and then be able to work through that is something rewarding about that, right? So we, uh, we, we didn't follow the sequencing of the steps that we had learned from our coach. And a lot of times we want to skip ahead or we want to bail out or we want to just forget the process, and we want to go to the grocery store and buy the fruit. We come to church on Sunday, and we're like, give me my fruit. Give me my maturity. Pray for me. Make me a kind person in one prayer. And God's like, I will grow you into a kind person. And you're like, no, I want to just buy it. Where do I need to sign up? Make me patient now, right? It doesn't work that way. There is a process. God is just as interested in the process as he is in the final result. And he walks with us each step of the way. Notice he's not far. He doesn't direct your steps from, from some control tower somewhere else. He's holding your hand in case you stumble. And he will pick you up. He's got your back. He's got your hand. How many say amen to that? Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. If you don't get anything else out of this message, you've got an amazing name there, Zerubbabel, okay? <laughs> do not despise small beginnings because this came from a tree that was once a seed. Amen. Who knows what is ahead? Today is a day of small beginnings with huge potential.
Don't dismiss what God is doing today because it's going to turn into something amazing. And if we despise the small beginnings, we miss out on the fulfillment of what God could do in our lives. Don't resist or reject the process because you'll be soon to give up. So what is your next step? What's your next step when it comes to your career? Maybe you're wrestling with uncertainty or, you know, it's things that turned out different from what you had pictured. How about the next step when it comes to your marriage? Might be some of that conflict resolution. Maybe it's just, you know, setting up goals and, and, and dreaming together of what's ahead. Why get stuck? There's always more that we can experience with him. What about parenting? What about finances? What about your opportunity to serve? You know, and I want to just do a shameless plug here. If you are part of our family, we know that God has placed you here. You're not only here to, to uh, be filled up and, be, and enjoy. You have something to contribute to the whole. And we not only state that, we support it. And one of the great ways that you can tap into that perfect fit, that opportunity to be able to, to receive, to be plugged in, connected, and then also contributing is through the simple process of growth track. And so if you haven't done it yet, we're starting one next week, four weeks uh, long. And, and it's just a great way to connect to others, connect to that purpose. What is my next step in my vocation and my calling? And, and too often we, we, we hold back. Unless it's the finish line, I'm not going to take a step. We're not going to get there that way. Because God is a God of process. Amen. Final, final point that I want to uh, highlight from this text that we've been reading is that God, with that connection and with that process, he also has something called pruning that happens in our lives. So I want to encourage you to embrace the pruning as well. John 15, 1 and 2 says, I am the great vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. So if you are fruitful, God will prune you so that you can grow into greater capacity. It almost seems like pruning is the opposite of being connected, right? Because you're like, oh, aren't, aren't we supposed to like, keep getting? No, but pruning is about identifying the, the, the things that are dead weight in our life, the sick branches, the dead branches, the things that actually compete for the life that God wants to establish, the things that, that, that sap the, uh, the energy and the attention and our time and, and, the, and, they, and they deplete us rather than enriching us. So you can't have growth without pruning. You can't be more fruitful unless you learn how to prune. I need to continually say, God, what areas of my life do you need to begin to prune? What are the things that I need to shed and I need to get rid of in my own life, in my own journey? Pruning strengthens and protects the right connections. It, it helps to strengthen everything that is healthy and it, and it, and, and it gets rid of anything that competes for that growth that health and that integrity. So how do you know what areas of your life you need to prune? There's this amazing thing on your phone called screen time. And it'll give you a diagnostic on how much time you have spent staring at your uh, device. I hate that thing. I always feel like someone's hacked it and is making stuff up. There's no way I've spent that much time on my phone. 
this is messed, this can't be. But it's a good sobering moment to say, okay, wow, that's where my time's going. That's why I don't have time for the Lord or for my wife or for my kids. How much time do we spend? We're going to watch a, a, a 30 minute episode or movie, and we spend 40 minutes trying to decide what we're going to watch across all, all platforms, right? We're like, where did the time go? Maybe it's scrolling through our social media. Maybe it's just the habits we've, we've developed, uh, you know, and it could be outside of that. There's so many things that we learn in Scripture. There's, uh, I love sports. You know, one of the things that was really, really hard uh, during the beginning of the pandemic is there was no soccer to watch. And that was hard. And so I, I remember I found a, like, second division Ukrainian uh, league that I couldn't even understand. I knew that there was a ball being kicked around. And it was just like, it was, it was, like, it was glorious to be able to watch that, right? And uh, yesterday, I got to watch Minnesota United. We're rough start, right? We'll get there, though, eventually. We'll get there. So, but how much time do we invest in things that don't necessarily strengthen us don't enrich us, don't lead us closer to the, the purposes and the plans that God has for us. What about, I'm going to call it dumb conversations and unhealthy posting interactions. 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 7 says, avoid worthless, foolish talk and or posting that can only lead to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer or gangrene, as in the case of Hymenaeus and Philetus, two other names that you picked up today. Can you imagine being, you, you made it into the inspired word of God 2,000 years later, we are talking about how worthless and unhealthy your conversations were and how the impact that you had on that congregation was compared to cancer because it would spread, let's not, let's limit how much of our energy and vitality goes to branches that are not fruitful. Bad company corrupts good character is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You know, who are you running with? Who are you doing life with? Sin. Sin is the ultimate branch to prune. Sin cannot be domesticated it cannot be owned. It cannot be contained. It cannot be quarantined. It cannot be compartmentalized. It will, just like that expression that we had in, in First Timothy, it'll spread like gangrene. It will infect your relationship with God. It'll infect your relationship with others. It'll infect your values, your perspective, your reactions, your potential. It'll ultimately lead to death. So if we are hanging on to dead weights and sick branches in our life, it's not just, well, oh, it's just going to remain that way. This ends up infecting the rest of the bush. In the same way, sin cannot be kept like a souvenir. Sin is anything, missing the mark. Doing life our own way, turning our back on God, choosing selfishness over selflessness. Anyone who follows Christ must learn to deny him or herself, 
We need to learn how to say no to ourselves in order to say yes to him daily. How many say amen to that? But we rationalize, we justify, we say, well, this is, it's, it's like an inherited thing. It's a genetical thing. It's a family of origin thing. It's just a personality. I'm this number on the Enneagram, so I got the right to do this or that, right? God will give you strength today to say, you know what? It's time to prune that branch. That thing is not enriching my life. That thing is dragging me down. It is affecting me. It's not bringing growth or fruit or health. And so I need to clip it off. I need to get rid of it today. Jesus takes the analogy even further, and he says you need to amputate anything that stands between you and God's kingdom. My pastor used to say no one wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I've got an extra leg. I should just cut it off, right? No one looks forward to something like that. It's a drastic measure that you take if the sickness in the leg is attempting against your life, against the health of the whole body. Maybe there's something that you need to prune today. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. To learn more about the many ministry opportunities we have throughout the week, be sure to check out emmanuelcc.org.